This is Bob Rourke with Business Leaders Podcast. And this morning, we're extremely fortunate. We have Jamie Salmon. She is the founder and president of Titan CEO. We also have Dr. Haley Fisher-Wright. She's the president and CEO of Medical Group Management Association, MGMA. Jamie, Haley, thank you so much for being on the show this morning. Thank you, Thanks. Well, first off, congrats on being uh, selected as a Titan 100. Thank Hold you on. very much. Yes, yes ma'am. Tell us a bit about MGMA. What's it about and who do you serve? Sure. We're a 94-year-old organization and the largest healthcare association is basically focused on business of medical practice management. We represent over 60,000 members and more importantly, we represent 15,000 group medical practices, which is almost three quarters of the medical practices in the United States. We represent everyone from the tiny practices like family doctors in rural communities to the national large health systems. And we touch almost 350,000 physicians across the United States in a variety of specialties. So we're in the background of almost all healthcare delivered at the front line. What we do is we work closely with medical practice leaders to help them solve their business challenges so they can focus on what really matters, which is providing outstanding care for their patients and communities. And certainly in this day and age, that means today. We also provide, and what we're known for in our industry, is the gold standard in benchmarking for compensation and medical practice cost surveys. And we advocate on behalf of our members on national regulatory and policy issues. So we kind of take it from the top at the federal government level all the way down to the doctor seeing patient in a room. You know, such a steady, non-regulatory, not changing industry. <laughs> Especially today. Oh, yeah. You know, you know yeah, it's particularly today. Wow. So, Haley, I have to say I'm just, first of all, so excited that you've been recognized as part of the Titan 100 for 2020. As those of you may or may not know listening, but we have published this collection here. I'm holding up a copy of the Titan 100 book in which Haley was profiled in, and we'll talk a little bit more later about how you can read her profile. But I always like to start our podcast, as you know, this platform recognizes Colorado's top 100 CEOs and C-level executives, 100 titans of industry. And so I always like to ask every titan that we interview in this podcast series, what characteristics they believe that it takes to be considered a titan of industry? Great question, Jamie. And once again, thank you for the honor of being a Titan 100. Now more than ever, especially given the challenges and changes as we're going through this global pandemic, I think flexibility is really someone like myself and the Titan 100 community has to have. And I think all as, as I've read through the book, all of my colleagues that are Titans have shown that as well. Some of those characteristics include, and we've talked about this on, with Jamie before, having the ability to alter your original plan of action. And then this is what I find has benefited our organization the most in the last seven months is actively seek out a situation from many different perspectives because this isn't business as usual. And so I've often had an idea as a physician, I'm often wrong, but never in doubt. So I've often had to change my mind or even solidified my decision-making when I've taken into account 
the different viewpoints and different perspectives. And I found that invaluable. And then finally, and this is something I work on every single day, some days better than others, is listening to others. There's no way that you can be flexible unless you're really willing to listen to other people. As leaders and as titans within our own industries, we practice flexibility, keeping in mind that listening is probably the most powerful tool that we have, being able to alter our course, but in our listening, we can help others alter their course as well to benefit our organizations. You put it into great context there, and you're right. Listening is definitely, I would say it's the most common trait when we've asked the Titans that stands at the forefront of their mind. And I love that you talk about seeking a perspective from many different individuals, especially during this time. So profound thoughts around characteristics of a Titan for sure. We were talking a little bit beforehand about your journey from, I guess, med school to here. And we said, well, we could go ahead and order lunch. (laughs) <laughs> and, start, and start talking about that. But if you could, it seems like to me that there's a common thread that comes from where you started in med school to where you are here. And perhaps if you could expand on it, that would be great. Absolutely. Well, succinctly put, I'm a Colorado native, really part of the community, born at Rose Hospital and uh, grew up in Littleton, went to University of Colorado for undergrad. And one of the things being in medicine that you learn is you're competing against everyone all the time. So in other words, for me to do well and to achieve my goals getting into med school, I had to do better than everybody else. So you had that competitive spirit all the way through. And even in med school, to get the residency you want, you have to be competitive and to get the job that you want outside of it. I think that my leadership journey really started when I started my own business with a partner of mine who now is a physician within the Denver Health System. And I realized that always being in competition wasn't going to lead me to where I wanted to be. And so I had my midlife crisis early. I was 35. And I realized I had this like epiphany. It was right before 9-11. And I recognized I was seeing kids. I was seeing 40 kids a day. I'd practice in Lakewood. We were really successful. And at 35, I thought, oh my goodness, I could be doing this same thing day in, day out for the next 40 years. And really not a whole lot may change. I mean, the science may change, but the fundamental, what I'm doing right now won't shift. And the whole reason I went into med school was because I wanted to make an impact And I wasn't going to be able to make an impact in the way that I wanted to make an impact, a much bigger impact. And so I started thinking about how can I, as a little pediatrician in Lakewood, Colorado, how am I going to be able to move the world in a positive way? And it was really, to paraphrase the Archimedes quote, business is the lever arm to move the world. And so that's when I started pursuing business education. And then from there, it was a completely asynchronous career. Became a business consultant, was president of a large physician group at Rose Hospital, was practicing, and then doing all those multiple things led me on the path that led me to leadership. But it really started from two points, which is I knew I couldn't continue. It wasn't aligned with my personal values to continue to compete for the rest of my life. And then the other one was I wanted to make an impact. That's a really good, succinctly put parentheses around a lot of activity. Yeah. 
because you also took and were an author as well along the way. I was a partner in a management consulting firm, a boutique consulting firm in Los Angeles, which was a very unique experience. It definitely colors my leadership. It's one of those things that when I was a consultant, it was great because you'd pop in and you would bestow your knowledge and then you disappear and you weren't held accountable. And after a couple of years of that, I thought to myself, I actually don't like that. I want to stick around and see what the results are and problem solve through the challenges, which is really what pushed me into leadership positions. You know, I have to say, Haley, it takes a lot of courage to do what you did back when you were working at the practice to sort of stop and check yourself and say, am I aligned with my passions? Am I aligned with the vision that I want for my life? What advice could you offer others that maybe were in sort of that same mode that you were, where you were seeing 40 patients a day and to have that courage to take that step? You know, I think some of this is generational. So I'm a Gen Xer and really the recognition was I wasn't happy. And I grew up in a family, my parents, I was actually the first person to go to college. Neither one of my parents went to college and I don't have physicians in my family. So for my family, they thought that being a physician was the pinnacle of success. But what I found personally was when I got there, and I'm using air quotes here, I wasn't satisfied because I wasn't aligned with my values. And it was really challenging for my husband, for my family, for me to make that choice. But I think it really is that uh, Shakespearean quote of to thine own self be true. I wasn't happy. I knew that doing what I was doing wasn't going to make me happy. And that I put so much effort and energy into being a physician that there had to be a better way to leverage my education and my experience to do something for the greater good. And that was my driver. Now, I will tell you that's relatively unique for a Gen Xer. The baby boomers think I'm nuts. And the millennials were like, so what? So I think it's kind of millennials are like, what took you so long? (laughs) You know, you practice for 19 years. So I think it's somewhat of a generational shift. A lot of what makes my approach unique for someone that is my age is unique generationally, but it's not unique as we watch some of our millennials come into leadership positions. I see that same type of creativity and drive and a sense of wanting to connect to something bigger. So I tend to bucket it in generations. And how I discuss this with baby boomers, kind of my parents' age, is different than I discussed with my colleagues that are my age, which is like, you can get your sports car at middle age. I went to business school to each his own. And then, so I used to be a clinical instructor for the University of Colorado, and they stopped sending me residents because the first question I'd ask is, are you happy? doing this? And can you see yourself doing this the rest of your life? And if not, let's talk about what does make you happy and how can you channel what you're doing into something that would be fulfilling and allows you to to follow your passions, which is the advice and coaching that I received along the way. Jamie, we were talking a little bit before, and, and in particular, you know, Haley, all of this background has led you up to a larger institution serving a great deal of the medical community in the United States. And along the way, with everything else you've got going on, you guys got issued a once in, I don't know how many generations event with COVID. How Mm -hmm. does an organization 
like yours adapt, adjust, and serve your constituents with this being issued to you? Well, one of the reasons I was hired for MGMA is, well, I thought that I was leading the organization through kind of a realignment. What I didn't recognize is we needed a complete transformation. So in a certain way, the last four years was the setup to put all the pieces into place to navigate this global pandemic. So we've already, we preceded our global pandemic with taking the organization through change process. And I have to be honest in saying, it's been painful. Like to the point that I will even be honest enough to say, last night I had a dream about one of my initial executive team that I loved, but we encouraged to move on to pursue their own pathway because as we went through this phase of change, we knew that they weren't the right person to lead through that change. So I'm still more than five years in, I'm still thinking about it, wondering what I could do better, how we could have changed this. But the preceding four years is what set us up because we knew that resting on 94 years of doing business as usual was not how we were going to get to the future. And what I've been saying for all the interviews that I've done, for the hundreds of interviews I've done for the last seven months is there is nothing that we're experiencing in COVID that weren't trends that preceded COVID, but the acceleration is in such a way that we all have motion sickness because it's been such high velocity. So I have to ask while we're on this topic, then what advice can you share or insight into other business owners that are currently leading through this pandemic as well? I think it's what I've learned while being at MGMA. One of the commitments I made to myself when I took this position, it was my first position as CEO. And although I wouldn't have admitted it the day I came in, not having experience of a CEO, color your perception. And so the commitment I made to myself is I'd be authentic because I think certainly as a physician, there's a perception of how you should be as a physician, as a business consultant, there's a perception how you should be as a business consultant. When you write books and you're promoting your book, there's a, you're the, and I'm using air quotes again, the author. When I went into MGMA, I decided that I would be myself. And if that worked, great. And if not, it was as I crossed into middle age while I've been in this position, it was the gift that I could give myself is to finally allow myself to be authentic as a leader. And that authenticity is really what I'm looking for in people that I bring into the organizations, looking for in people we do business with. And it's the piece of advice the only way that you're going to be able to sustain and thrive is if you are authentic in your leadership. And that's why I always probe on, are you passionate? Are you excited? Are you engaged? Is that, if you're not, is that something we can find? Or is that something that we can explore as time goes on? And, and that's the biggest piece of advice is where I've been the most miserable is when I basically had the role of being the doctor or the author or the consultant and not honestly my goofy self and giving myself the permission to understand that I have strengths and weaknesses. And that's part of leadership as well has been probably the most important transformation in my leadership style over the last 20 years. I love that. So we're thinking, so we talked about this a little bit before. So we have the Haley of today and the Haley is confident and authentic. What advice would that particular Haley 
offer Haley of 20, 25 years ago to perhaps accelerate or fill in a blank that you wish it had? I'll be honest. I have soul searched around that question. Like, what should I have done? Like, would I have gone to med school knowing that I'd be a CEO? You know, should I have been a hedge fund manager? (laughs) Those kind of things, those questions that you ask yourself. I don't regret any of the decisions that I've made, but, and we talked about this when we did our CEO roundtable with Jamie. I still struggle occasionally with imposter syndrome. And when I first started, I was terrified that I was going to make mistakes. And I think what I would tell the Haley 20 years ago is it's okay to make mistakes. You will make mistakes. Some of them will be egregious mistakes and you will learn from them in a way that you will never learn from your own successes. So embrace them if you can, which is very unsettling when you're young, but I would embrace the mistakes because they are it's your mistakes. For me, the advice I'd give my younger self is it's the mistakes who've made me the outward success and honestly, the inwardly happy person that I am and not the successes. Love it. Yeah. I mean, obviously, as we sit here and we listen to you, Dr. Haley, it's no question that you are incredibly humble and incredibly authentic. I mean, you've given us such a nice purview into your world. I'd love to know what are your passions outside of being the CEO of a, such an amazing organization? So as I mentioned, I'm somewhat goofy slash dorky and, and I embrace that. So my interior life is creative. So and very asynchronous from what I do in my day job. So I love cooking. I love travel and I don't mean business travel. Business travel is you get to point A, point B, cut back to point A. So one of the things that when my husband and I travel, we often, when before the pandemic, we go to Europe and then what I collect are actually textiles because I'm very kinesthetic. I love touching things. So in my office, I'm in my home office right now, I have textiles from Italy, from England, from Germany, and I love using that through one of my adventures. And about once a year, my husband let has agreed to let me do a walkabout, if you will. And I'll usually go to England or to Italy and just go on an adventure, hire a guide. And so I did that once with an antiquing adventure in England and met just amazing people. Like I just meet these amazing people and they become part of my extended family. And so through them, I actually invested in a a technological platform for antiques, which has actually done amazingly well during COVID. And so through that family, there's, I have all these contacts and we get these great adventures. So it's food and travel and wine and creativity. The other part of me is that I also write and not business writing, but I have a fantasy of being JK Rowling in my 50s. So working on that, those kind of things. And what I find is when I engage in my creative, not healthcare world, not business leadership, I end up in my other creative brain informing my business brain. So they kind of feed each other. Yeah, I can definitely see that. It reminds me of, I like to do road trips and I get a lot of windshield time. And so on the windshield time, it's, you know, I'll be listening to a book or I'll be listening to, to learn something. And then it just seems like things come together. Very similar. 
Absolutely. In fact, um, a year ago today, I went on a, what I call them walkabouts, but I went to England, landed, took a train, met this lady who runs an alpaca farm. <laughs> and so stayed at her farm, which is like in this national park in England, met with the alpacas. She also have these, has these animals called guanaco, which are out of South America. Met them. She has a complete knitting agency or kind of business. So kind of stayed at the farm. Totally not in my domain of experience as living in central Denver, et cetera. Then took a train, went to Bath, England, met one of my friends who is in the antiquing business, spent time with her in her garden, her dogs, then went into central London, attended a business event, and then went up to Scotland and went to a textile place where they made make most of the tartans for Scotland and for the world. So that's a pretty typical walkabout experience for me. So if you're an, an intelligence agency trying to pattern and follow you around, <laughs> good luck. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good luck. All right. Well, we wanted to be respectful of your time. Yes. And so we're coming to a close. Jamie, thoughts? Yeah, I just, I wanted to say thank you so much for being on the podcast. And for those of you that are listening, if you would like to learn more about Haley's journey, her story, you can visit www.titan100.biz and you can read all of the profiles of Colorado's top 100 CEOs and C-level executives. And you can also download a copy of the digital book there as well. And Haley, for the folks that would like to find you on social media, where do they find you? At Dr. Haley. So that's D as in dog, R as in Richard, H-A-1-L-2-E's, because it's challenging to spell my name. And it's uh, LinkedIn and Twitter. Thank you so much. And is there any thoughts or is there a question we should have asked you that we did that you'd like to leave us with? I think the only thing is that you didn't ask me is what is the most important thing about leadership? Because I like to answer this. And it's not about us as leaders. It's about developing others. And as I mature in my leadership, and I'm always trying to learn more, that's where I spend more and more of my energy is developing others. I'm less concerned about myself and more, much more interested and much see it as the future of the organization and our future to develop the people that are on our teams. The only thing I feel like if we're going to have a leadership conversation, that's the only thing that I think we missed. Well, that would be another podcast. So maybe we'll have to take it, <laughs> prevail on you again and talk some more. Well, I was thinking about your metaphors of fabric. Yeah. And I think about the threads of your life contributing to the fabric. That's you. And that's an awesome journey. And you know, a little bit of alpaca fabric thrown in there. Yep. That, yeah, that's quite interesting. So thank you so much for your time. And Jamie, anything else you'd like to add? No, I think it's great. It's been amazing learning a little bit more about your journey, Haley, and also, yeah, just the things that you hit on with regards to embracing the change and following your passions and your travels have clearly inspired you in so many different ways. And I think it's just awesome to see how it's been blended into your life. So it's been profound. Thank you. Thank you both. This has been a great conversation. Thanks, Haley, for the privilege of your time. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.